Charles Noe. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 316, 316. Uh, we're going to cover the tarot cards, which most of us in this world have been told non truths about. And we're going to set that straight right now. And I'm going to suggest a book, uh, maybe one of the most important books that I have to cross reference the spiritual traditions of the West, namely the Holy Bible. The name of that book is Meditations on the Tarot. A Journey into Christian Hermeticism. This is one of the most important esoteric works on Christianity that I've ever came across. The book was gifted to me by Michael Hoffman, the co-author of King Kill 33 and the author of the all-important Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. Michael Hoffman will be joining us, I don't know, in the next few weeks when he publishes his sequel to Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. On the spiritual side of the coin, the first book I mentioned, it's right up there in the top books that I own. On the understanding how the evil-ass world works, the second book that I mentioned is in the same category, right up there at the top. So um, there's that. So um, the book that I mentioned, The Meditations on the Tarot, is proof beyond argument that you have not been told the importance of the tarot. Most of us have been told things by the men in black, like, oh, if you own a tarot deck, you're going to hell. That's the devil's handiwork. Go ahead and get the meditations on the tarot, and you just marvel at how many deeper meanings in nearly every book of the Bible you were never made aware of. This is no different. The tarot deck is no different than what we see currently happening with things like the Notre Dame Cathedral, and we'll get into these things. But anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. All right. We got like two boatloads to get through here. Oh, at least. And they're not stuck in the Suez Canal. (laughs) All right. Welcome, Ben. How's it going, girl? Good, good. Um, I think our connection is better. Jason, do you want to handle the thick parts of the Ben notes as we jump in, or how do you want to do this? I can certainly do that. All right, so we're going to start with notes that Ben provided us. The vast majority of what we're going to talk about here are off Benjamin Balderson's notes. So I spent a substantial amount of time researching this um, and went through a number of books, a number of systems, and really put together uh, overall understanding that we're going to kind of go through. And uh, there's been just a lot of changes and some real heavy inversions put into this that uh, we're all going to see as we go through this. But basically, we can understand that this is going to be discussed at numerous levels because the tarot deck's based off of nature, and anything based off of nature, everything is going to work in that same way. So you can take it on whatever level you're sitting at. And so there's going to be a lot of different things to discuss. Let's add another thing before Jason jumps in here. I think Ben shares my point of view. We need to get back with the tarot as close to the originals as we can get. I know Ben knows of other decks, but for most of us, the closest we're probably going to come is the Marseille deck, although it does go back further. From my point of view, the further away from that original you get, the less value you're holding in your hand, all the way up to rider weight, where I will make the assertion the whole idea has been inverted, death ideas have been inserted, and the prep up for 9-11 ideas has been provided for. 
in those decks. Um, we'll get Ben's point of view wherever he may differ. But here's the catch. If you go to somewhere like Amazon to order the Marseille, you might be fooled into getting what's called the CBD deck. The CBD deck is a Jewish guy who decided to redo the Marseille deck and be the first person he claims to put the tarot into Hebrew or Jewish languages. Um, that is not the Marseille deck. He did things like take the serious nature of the facial expressions and make them happy, snappy, and other things. My point here is, is if you decide to get yourself a deck and a book and try to learn some things, at least try to get to the original Marseille. There it is, Jason. And I have a CBD Tarot de Marseille, as it's labeled, right here before me. And uh, yeah, they don't look too terribly upset. <laughs> well, it's it's not it's not honest. If you're going to redo a deck, you need to say things like based on or modified, not call it CBD Marseille, because most people like myself, the first deck I grabbed was CBD. Immediately, I realized what I'd just done and I grabbed a Marseille. When you say Marseille deck, this is a specific ordering of cards. If you want to go with the weight deck or the Elias Levi, then what's going to happen is the numbers 8 and 11 are going to get flip-flopped. And then there are also some decks, rather than having the Empress first, start out with the Emperor. So when you say the Marseille deck, really what you're saying more is a style of deck. There's quite a bit of misinformation on Wikipedia. If you go through Wikipedia, it puts the Marseille deck as the first deck and something that appeared in the 1700s, but it goes back much further than that. It's almost universal across the world that it's been around. The decks that we have access to are the worst decks. The best decks are sitting in collections, a lot of time broken apart piecemeal, a lot of times because the artwork was so great. The public doesn't have access to it, and we get bad reproductions that were sold to vendors for a quarter, and they don't have half the symbolism in them than what the original ones do, so it's really BS. But across the board, every culture, and this is from hours of research, you can pull it out of The Secret Teachings of All Ages, which is by Manly P. Hall. It's basically everywhere. All right, let's get something straight on the record. This is critically important, what Ben just laid down here. The people who made these decks were trying to save sacred knowledge in this world. It's why the tarot was created. As a matter of fact, it's the basis for our playing card deck. We'll touch at the end on that. The modern example of we have that these masters had to hide from the powers that be places like the Vatican is no different than episode 151 that I did on Notre Dame. I wrote that two, three weeks before they burned it down. The whole reason I did episode 151 is to say, hold on to everything you possess that has anything to do with cathedrals like Notre Dame, because the powers that be are destroying the path that men and women can take to become higher human beings. And it was written for us by these same masters, not the Vatican. The Vatican did not build Notre Dame. They can't even tell you who built it, but they'll claim they paid the bills. I don't accept any of it, but what they're doing is they're erasing the path to higher humanity that was left to us in glass and stone. Um, the same thing is why the tarot exists, probably for the same groups and organizations under threat. What would you add to that, Ben? So the oldest deck that we have access to that I could find, they think was designed in the 1500s, the Marseille deck, but the oldest known surviving cards as a complete deck. It is, was designed by Jean Noble of Paris in 1650. Now, the oldest deck that is 
not quite complete. They have a 15 cards is the Visconti T-F-O-R-Z-A to Forza tarot of the mid 15th century from the Duchy of Milan. Okay, so we're going to, well, we're going to go a little bit more, then we're going to jump right in um, to the Major Arcana, which is basically 22 cards, 21 numbered in the original decks that we're talking about. Let's get one more thing on the table. Elias Levi, anyone who's read the works of Michael Hoffman, you'll find out that this man is a Satanist. Uh, In other words, every one of us has a path in life. We can choose to go to the dark side. In the same way that night will follow day, you have broken no rule in the universe if you go to the dark side. But what these guys up to, they always take it too far. And so when we talk about the Rider weight deck, and a lot of people are going to get upset, but I'm putting it down on the record. They inverted things. They added the death idea. They brought hyper-materialism, death, and everything that allows the path for things like 9-11 and a hyper-digitalized world. It's already switching over by these groups of people. If you go read the works of Michael Hoffman, um, as he's known later, as he does the big, huge books on the Vatican, you will find out that these are the guys pushing the dark side into the back back doors of the Vatican and other places. But I guess, Jason, finish off and we'll jump into the Major Arcana. All the decks today are based off of the Marseille deck, which was the most complete deck if you're going to assume that it is a complete deck. It is the first example of the era for French decks where we first start finding this 22-card layout. One, the tarot is composed of two decks, the Major Arcana and the Minor Arcana. The Minor Arcana contains 56 cards, representing the 52 weeks plus four extra days. Two, the trump total 12, representing the month, the four suits, represent the seasons. Three, the four suits being wands, cups, swords, and coins. And also, wands can be called batons, wands or batons. Four, the major arcana. There are 22 major arcana. These will be our focus. These break down into the fool, representing you, 12 cards representing the constellations, eight representing the luminaries, one representing fate or time, and then one representing you. So what we're looking at here is when, you, when we say minor arcana, this is the typical playing deck that your normal everyday person has that nobody's really thinking about. And what this represents when you're looking at this layout of the tarot is you take those and you put them in a wheel, basically looking like a roulette wheel. And these are going to be your 52 weeks. Now, then you take your 12 constellation tied cards and you put those, and these are going to be your months sitting inside of that wheel. So it's like the little hand and the big hand of a clock. The fool is going to sit in the center, and then you're going to have your eight luminaries that are going to have different effects, almost creating a field effect that you're going to put into play while aligning it with the week and the month. So this is literally just a layout for what's going on in nature. So you can understand that if you bring up the spring cards, that these are obviously going to start being geared toward planting, toward putting things in, toward, you know, at the very beginning, toward breaking the ground up and tearing up the old, things like that. So you can start aligning yourself with nature more, more positively when you, when you put this system into play. So then after this, 
we start breaking the cards down themselves in the major arcana. And what we're getting ready to do from this point on is look at each of these cards individually and the symbolism in them. And what we're seeing is the fool going from a path that he's walking throughout his life, throughout his year, throughout his day, again, following a course of nature. All right. So that was all very critically important. And I hope you caught in the middle that the hearts, clubs, diamonds, you know, regular playing cards that we have are drawn from the minor arcana. Uh, ben, do you know batons? Uh, what season is batons? Wands. I say batons. I don't accept wands. Uh, okay. Cups is going to be uh, equal to, see, there's also batons are going to be uh, rods. They're going to be a fire. So that's going to be a, would that be spring and farmers? Yep. So that's tied to rod. That's also called rods and it's tied to fire and farmers. Okay. So the reason I'm bringing this up is just to make the point you, you are under the impression that most of us are, uh, that the tarot deck never mattered, that it's evil. If you go to Sunday school, um, here's an example of the people who have held on to this information and it's the dark side. It's always the damn dark side that's held on to the information and made it scary. And they've lied about it. You know, Penn and Teller, Penn and Teller are always represented. As a matter of fact, I think on their tomb, I'm not sure, but I think on the tomb, they're supposed to be buried. There's a three of clubs. You know why? Because clubs is wands, which should actually be batons. So there it proves that those guys understand where the deck that they use in magic came from and what the suits represent. And these are important things to realize because should Penn and Teller be the people representing this important information? Uh, I'll guarantee you they're not taking the light side of the coin. Um, so what they're putting out in the world may not be what you would choose to put out in the world, is my point. Let's start out with either the zero card or the 22 card. That's the first argument that happens in tarot. It has a young man in ragged clothes carrying a satchel over one shoulder. Many times there's a symbol of an eye on the satchel. A dog bites his pants. In some decks, he's looking at a butterfly or holding a white rose. And in most decks, he's approaching a precipice, lay mat, or the fool. That's the zero or the 22 card, which is an entire discussion by itself. In my book, that will be my opinion in the discussion is both the zero and 22, because even the lower deck has a big and a little joker. The idea is one is before the process and one is post-process. So from my point of view, um, the fool shouldn't have any number. And this is based on the older decks that I've seen. I'm going down to my, my thing. Uh, this is one of the things Rider Waite did. They inverted it. So there's no number on Lamont Fool in some of the early Marseilles. I can't speak to the ones that come before that. Um, there should be no zero from my point of view because I know something about basic numerology. Zero has no existence in reality. It becomes a placeholder to amplify numbers that do exist or a signifier at best. Um, the idea of zero doesn't exist. Now, if we turn around and we put the 22, like Ryder and other decks did after they changed what was in Marseille, that is the master builder number, a master, the idea of a master. To me, this isn't correct, and I'll get Ben's interpretation. The fool 
yeah, it's called the fool, but maybe for not the reasons you think, but in a way it is. Uh, when you're starting out, you don't know a lot. When you complete a whole journey and you came through the 21st card as an example, then you would know some things. Maybe at that point you could claim it became 22, but what's your take on it, Ben? So if, if you're looking at this from an alchemist point of view, what it would be is the great work. Or, or when you're looking at it biochemically, you're looking at it as the entire path of the Christos. Or if you're looking at it from a farmer's perspective, you're looking at it as growing an entire plant. So it is a completion of the great work, which was what 22 would be. But then also 22 is zero because then you have to, you're restarting into the next cycle, basically. So it's the understanding that this is cyclical. You're not really ending. You're also beginning every time. Okay, so basically, all right, I, I guess I'm okay with some of that, but I would point out that 22, though, a special number usually doesn't get reduced a lot. It does become four, but four is a very special number, and this is another problem um, with the writer weight deck. They add the name death to a card that reduces to four. That's the negative side. These are death ideas. Four is the most stable of shapes. It's a lot of things on the positive side that are left out as far as I can tell in these ideas. But special thing about four, um, it, if you take the, the max reduction, one, two, three, four, and reduce it, you get to 10. There's your idea of perfection built into the idea of the master 22. That's, I guess, what I would add. So both Crow and I are in agreement completely on what the meaning of Lamat or the fool is. And you can see this in the symbolism. Number one, the young man's in ragged clothes, so he's starting out in life. He's, you know, like most people, he's he, he's eating the he's eating the ramen noodles and wearing the the dime cent clothes, things like that. He's got a satchel over one shoulder. This is this is representative of everything that he owns. There's a dog biting his pants, which a lot of people take this as like uh, it's getting attacked. There's an aversion. In my opinion, I I, also, I image the uh, the the old school picture of the little girl getting drugged by her diaper from a dog getting drugged back home. That is what I get out of this. <laughs> Copper tone. Yes, yes, that's more the image I get from it when I look at it. You know this, and and this child is getting ready to leave home. This is part of why he's taking his few shabby things. You can imagine his parents did had at least a home and something to provide. So, you know, this is, this is a breakaway moment. This is also where the precipice comes in, is that he's getting ready to go into the unknown. He's, he's making a leap of faith in, in himself and in the world that he's going to go out and just start experiencing. So even though he's a grown man, he's literally now starting a new life journey. Well said. And by the way, the book Meditations on the Tarot will give you some of the most in-depth breakdowns on every card, and they'll turn around and tie it to biblical scripture. Um, so for people with an interest in knowing more about Western religious traditions, uh, there's so much there we were never told about. And Ben, I'm looking forward when we get to that death card. In my mind, death has no place. And this is what Rider Waite did in other decks. They added death to a card that had no name. They also did things like change the name to Tower. These are all queue-ups to a death-based system that will allow for things like 9-11 in my view, but we'll get there when we get there. The first numbered card is number one, the Magician, or La Battalor, which means the Juggler. 
This, to me, is an entirely different thing than a magician. A juggler, you have a whole bunch of objects and things that people can see and understand, and you are juggling them. You've got them all continually in motion, whereas a magician is more of a trickster. I like the juggler, the original French. I like that name better. This is ruled by Mercury. Beth, B-E-T-H, the Hebrew letter Beth. He stands behind a table containing a cup, coins, sword, and he's holding a wand, typically capped on both ends. In sum, the table is a cube, and his belt is the serpent biting its tail. There's an infinity symbol either crowned or above his head. One hand points down and one is held up. He is typically beautiful. Now, this is where we're going to have to try to draw a broad path. From my point of view, it's a little bit like the positive use of alchemy. And don't ever be fooled. All the alchemy, all the dark things that we see in this world is mostly alchemy being used, misused, in my point of view. Not only have they gone to the dark side, they've gone way past what's acceptable. Just to make a point, there's dark alchemy out there. But in, in the alchemy that's laid down for us people who appreciate the creation and appreciate what we've been given in the natural world, there are four philosophical principles, uh, the elements, so to speak, air, fire, water. We've all heard them. But the great thing about them is it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you are. Those can be shaped to fit your situation. To me, this deck of cards is no different. And when he pointed out the difference between a juggler and a magician, I think it's a prime example. But like Ben, if I can go back to the oldest representation, I will. And by the way, what I noticed here, Ben, is the magician, so-called magician. I won't say the French, just so people can understand. Between his legs under the table, there's like a little bush that almost looks, because of the shape of his legs, like the female form and genitalia are being encoded into the card, almost like it's being birthed into existence, that card number one. Yep. And that, that card number one absolutely is. So if you understand Mercury at all, Mercury is an interesting thing that everything's, it's the product of the sun and the moon, but it's also preceding the sun and the moon it's it's an extraordinarily interesting thing understanding it so the magician is going to represent or the juggler i prefer is going to represent uh mercury and this is going to be an air like you said an air element air is is mercury now what mercury does is it takes two things and puts them together it's it's a bridge so if you look at like an old battery an old school battery where we're actually using these these platinum level elements and things you're talking about a gold and a silver a cathode and an anode but the thing that's going to make the charge capable of happening between these two things is going to be mercury which you're going to tie to mind you're going to tie to air in this situation because elementally air is the tie between your water and your fire and then the condensation of that is what creates earth so basically you're looking at fire is going to be your sulfur your water is going to be on your salt level, which is part of why I don't necessarily agree with the way the elements are set up. But uh, I think there should be a crystal level there. And then the water is going to be in that, or the air is going to be your mercury, the tie between the two things. And then when it, they condense together, it becomes the stone or earth. So, so what we're pointing out here is the complete malleability of the practitioner um, with a natural set of rules, which is far different from science. 
Science will say these things right here, these are the elements. They are what they are. You want to manipulate them. You have to use this process. It's written in stone, all very not natural. And by the way, those elements in my point of view are not elemental at all, with the exception of very few of them. They are combinations of things, not elemental in any way. But as we get in here, Ben has rightly pointed out some of the differences in name, like the Pope or the Pope S becomes the high priest or the high priestess or the hierophant. In our time, does anyone out there think of a high, high magical priestess in a positive light or is it more of a dark connotation, I would ask? Um, but then again, I could ask the same question of the older version. Has anyone got good thoughts about the Pope? Is he here to help us all? <laughs> so it's kind of a catch-22, but there is absolutely a difference in a way. In a way. Anyhow, go ahead. Card two, Jason. La Papes, the female Pope or the high priestess. This is ruled by the moon. It is a seated woman. She's wearing a tiara with a lunar crescent, sometimes with the horns of Hathor. In her lap is a book of law. In her left hand are two keys, one silver and one gold. Behind her are two pillars, often marked with a J and a B. The rainbow crosses between them. She often has a checkerboard floor. Her cloak is usually white or the inside is white. Also, the Hebrew word for this is G-I-M-E-L, Gimel. That's awfully Freemasonic, isn't it? Well, this is, this is the critical point. With alchemy or anything else, you can go to the dark side. You can go evil as you can be. You're going to break rules if you go that far, or you can go with the light side. In the original decks, if this iconography, if this artwork was similar, what you're looking at is an effort to a true, what I would accept as a spiritual tradition, which I can basically define this way. Do you have a compassion for all living things? Yes or no? There it is. Because if you don't, you're going somewhere different than I'm going. Um, that's how I mark it. If it's alive, it was made by the creator, it's part of this creation, and it damn well deserves your respect. The difference between the alchemy that is taking our world apart, using us all as an alchemical experiment, every episode image at the top of the images I make for these episodes, it tells you they are misusing alchemy to do bad things. Uh, there's a light side. And so back here, you know, everyone's going to say, oh, the checkered floor. No, no, no. Don't be the child scared in the dark. Understand. Can you play a game of chess and honestly have played an honest game of chess? Yes, you can. Or can you use this to encode traps and this one-upsmanship of the, the betters and, and the slaves and the sheeps? It can go either way. So when I look at this, I'm looking at the predecessor to the cult that has taken over the world and introduced as its main concerns death and the misuse of alchemy. That's my point of view. Ben? I would absolutely agree. Alchemy is, uh, you can take this knowledge as, as a tool just like anything else. And just like any tool, a gun in my hands is a, is a safe weapon that I'm protecting my home and my flock of animals from, from predators from. And a gun in a psychopath's hands is somebody shooting up a movie theater and harming people. This is, doesn't make the tool in and of itself evil, nor the understandings. What's evil is the intent of that person and the way that person takes things. They're having an understanding of your place in nature, and that's part of what you get from this is understanding nature 
and you should develop uh, whether it's any cosmology, because myself, I'm not Christian, I'm an Odinist, and I'm going to bring some of those things in. But understanding your place in the world and the beauty of all creation, that's part of the understanding of this cycle and understanding everything in your place in it. Well, that's the beauty of what we're talking about. It, it was created seemingly in a time where anyone's tradition anywhere of any race and any spiritual path in the light was provided for. Uh, for my part, if you ever pick up the book Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare by Michael A. Hoffman II, which is what he wrote under back then when he did his work with Downard and just after that, he's telling you the truth. Human beings have fallen. And what was that fall? Basically, if I would sum up the fall, it's we left the purity of nature. There's your fall right there. Now we're going to start doing all these things to play God, which ends up where we are now computers. Is there anything spiritually defensible about a computer or any of the things that we use to modify the world? Or how about walking into a city center? Um, look around. It's like hell on earth in a way. All the things that you got to do, all the things that you got to have to get by and, and live are basically unacceptable to generations past. And this is why I always point to the movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy, because it does a fantastic job of pointing out what the Kalahari Bushmen are and what everyone else is doing in the cities. It lays it out so plain as day that even the dimmest mind in the audience has to understand what's being laid down there. So from my point of view, if all of this is couched within nature and we only do what nature will provide, you're on the right side of the fence for me on the light side with compassion for living things. If you take it further, then you're something else and I'm not with you anymore. So with the uh, Pope S, what we're going to do is this is going to get tied to Aries, which is going to be your March, April. And this is going to be your spring start. The other thing that you're going to tie this to is the cerebrum. So we're going to understand that when we look at the female Pope or the high priestess, that this is going to be the anode in this situation, and it should be the cathode. This is one of the inversions that I personally think has happened. But we're going to understand that there's a lot of things in here that A, the anode and the cathode, or the two polar sides are represented in your Joaquin and Boaz, and the two pillars behind, and in the checkerboarded floor. There's also two keys, one gold and one silver. This is going to be the moon and the sun. Now, so we're setting up this understanding of this duality in this cathode and anode situation. And the mercury is already present. Now, with this, we understand with the Pope, with the high priestess or the popess, there's also a purity that's represented in the inner white and in some of the symbolism that's around her. Because this isn't a mixed, we're getting ready to go into the mixed, where this is now mixed with the other side, but this is just in and of itself the one pole. So let's just point out, you know, people, that's another thing. They see the Joaquin and Boaz temples and their eyes glaze over and say this is evil. No, these are representations of what's actually observable in the natural world. Where it gets evil is when the whole thing's turned into a giant chess game and every living being in the world is thrust on the table, and the people moving the pieces have declared themselves God. There's your departure. There's your, I'm going to the dark side so damn far that it's not defensible anywhere ever, which is why we lie and hide. That's what they do. 
They lie behind news. They hide. They never come out and say, we're doing this now. They always hide and encode what they're doing now. And then later come out and say, yep, we did that. Too late. It's already been done. Next is the Empress or El Imperatrice. Hebrew word, D-A-L-E-T. She is pregnant, usually on a cushion throne in the midst of a wheat field. There's usually a full moon. A small stream flows past her from a forest. Atop her head is a crown with 12 stars. She holds a wand topped with an emerald, which is the stone of Venus. She wears pearls or roses patterned in the Venus symbol astrologically. She is typically looking left. All right, so let's just make the point. And Ben, we got to step it up if we're going to get through any number of these. Uh, Every little line, every little piece of art, every color, these things all mattered. They all had meaning. So go ahead, Ben. We need to step up a little or we're not going to get very far in. I know this is so much information. So the this we're now what we're looking at is obviously this is intermixed with the other side. She's pregnant. We have most of the same symbolism. We can see this is this is going to be represented again in the same area. Like I said it's basically the same symbolism as we had before. Only we can see that this has now been mixed with masculine. She's older. She's got more control of things, and she's pregnant. So there's been an intermixing of the two, the anode and the cathode. Also, there's a crossover that people should catch. I mean, the 12 stars in one one way of thinking about them, we're talking about the zodiacal stations of the sun in those 12 stars, are we not? Absolutely, we are. All right, go ahead, Jason. The emperor, Hebrew word for this is T-Z-A-D-D-I and is ruled by Aries, typically dressed in armor. His throne is a stone usually a cube, sometimes bearing a phoenix, usually has a scepter with an orb or holding a scepter and an orb. Upon his breastplate or on his shoulders are the sun and the moon. Sometimes the body is in the symbol of sulfur. Typically his robes are purple and he is aging. The throne is surrounded by the four ram's skulls of Ares or sometimes behind him with two rams. Just so you guys know, there are a lot of interpretations on all these things to include what zodiacal sign we're in. Actually, the rider weight actually switches two cards to force one to become Leo and the other to become Libra. Um, and then most people have not accepted that except for the people who do the rider weight. Notice that we're on card four and he's sitting on that cubed stone, right? The most stable. You can even see when this was put in, the idea four had not been tied to deathly ideas like your evening news would do. It's the stability idea in one way, but I'm sure that, uh, that Ben will bring a little more. And by the way, meditations on the tarot will give you breakdowns like you can't imagine on each of these cards. What are you going to bring to the emperor, Ben? So with the emperor, part of what you're going to get with this whole system is now, now we've set up fully the anode and the cathode. They've mixed, but we still don't have motive power. And that's, that's what's going to be represented by him stucking in, stuck in the uh, stone because we've set up the brain power, but we haven't set up the rest of the body. We still don't have the motive power. Uh, again, we can see all the, the polar opposite things that are represented in, in here. He's holding a scepter with an orb. So you can see that, again, this is the emperor. This is where an intermixing has happened with the cano- cathode, and atho- or cathode and anode. But now we're going to switch over to just the straight masculine portion of it with the next card. 
So what we are set up here with this entire system is the cerebrum and the cerebellum, and then with the mind or the juggler in the first place. So we've set up an entire brain biochemically, just like in the last two shows that I did. Now we're going to see that this is represented with Taurus, the cerebellum. There's going to be a lot of bull symbology or things like that. Your ram, your ram's head, your Mars, your, your warlike. So this is, this is in opposition because when you look at the cathode and the anode, they're actually in opposition to each other and power comes from the moving interplay back and forth between the two. I'm glad you pointed that out. In my mind, the ram will always be with the crown of the head and the bull idea, Taurus, will be with Sarah, the seed, cerebellum, the lower mind. But as we get into Jason's description here, this is why I go with the older Marseille names, the Pope. As Jason reads this, think of a papal bull that pulls it more around to a real-world situation we can all think about. The Hierophant, the Pope or Lepope. The Hebrew word is V-A-V, ruled by Taurus. He wears a tiara and carries a triple cross surmounting the sphere. Before him kneel two supplicants. His hand often bears a stigmata of the esoteric. He sits between two pillars, and there are two keys at his feet between the two supplicants. Well, you can see that the ideas that end up being carried to our eyes, like the coat of arms from the Vatican with a gold and a silver key, those are all covered. And I'm sure Ben would point out, we mentioned them quite a ways back. You can start to see what the original positive ideas behind this were before places like the Vatican that never had concern or at the point we're aware of did not have concern for spiritual people or the well-being of people. The, the Vatican that we're familiar with has gone so far to the dark side as to be a shameful scab on the face of humanity. I absolutely couldn't agree more. So with the Hierophant, we can see just like with, just like with the priestess where we have a more pure version of, but not as powerful a version in the, in the masculine as compared to the emperor. Now you're going to see a lot of the same symbolism. We've got the duality all, all over here again. We've got the two keys. So this is, again, with the gold and the silver, this is setting up your anode and your cathode situation and creating this entire power, this brain. And after this, we're going to move on to the lovers where the two are completely united. We've got a unification between the two things, which is where we're going to start having real power and drawing real things and moving on down. Up to the fifth card, there should be one obvious thing to people. Back when these were made, look, everywhere there was a male role, there was a counterpointed female role. Look what happens when the real world gets a hold of it. There's only a pope. There's not a popess. As a matter of fact, there's no room for women anywhere in their organization for quite some time. And then eventually they get around to having nuns, which are something less. You can see my point here. These are created at a more realistic time that's reflecting the natural world around us. But Jason, let's do the lovers. El Lamaru, ruled by Gemini. On some, there's a priest unifying a young couple. Sometimes Cupid is represented. In some, it has two women. One wears a winged golden crown the other wearing flowing robes and a crown of vines, which is one side spirit, one side animal. Sometimes above is a star with a halo of light. 
and then in some it is the archangel Raphael in purple. On either side of him, the tree of knowledge and the burning bush. A naked woman in front of the tree and a naked man in front of the bush. He looks at her and she looks at Raphael. There is a snake wrapped around the tree in the Axis Mundi or Holy Mountain in the background. So I'll just make one little point about what I consider to be the perversion of the Rider Wake deck. Everyone remember James Bond, Live and Let Die? They've got the little fortune teller gal there, and he walks in and pulls a lever card, and he does the death card, which does not exist as a labeled death card, number 13, in the Marseille deck. This shows you what those decks are about. What's James Bond about? 007. Tubal Cain. Didn't he show up with the Queen of England uh, on the Olympics in England? Didn't she like parachute in with James Bond or some nonsense? You know who they are. And what did they choose to use when they portrayed things in that movie? The Rider Waite version. What we have here is the lovers. Now that we've set up the brain, now we have the two sides, and the two sides are working in a unison. And this is a very sacred thing. Now, on the same token, we're getting ready to split off into the two different setups. You're going to have, you're going to have your sympathetic and your, sympathetic, and your uh, motive nerves, nervous system. Now, also being represented in here is now after the, you bite from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that is your sacrifice and you die. This is the sacrificing of the sheep. You're no longer this pure thing. Now you're moving down. Now, the other thing that's happening through this entire portion of the cycle is this is what you call the inductive portion of the cycle. So if, you, if this, this was a plant, you're, or even as a human, you're now gaining. You're, you're becoming something more. You started out as just this singular seed it's, as a plant, this single pure seed. This is now cracked open. This is starting to gain form and foundation and become something else. So that is no longer this pure little seed anymore. It's this other thing. And through this cycle, this is the induction portion of it where we are doing the gaining. And then we get to the reproduction or multiplication portion and then the deductive portion. So this is all just another portion of the cycle. But here's, here's where we're going to start making that split in the induction. And so there is that moving down or becoming more dirty because that a lot of what you're gaining is going to be just the carbon body, which is not the purity of you, which is not the purity of the plant. When I get done with the plant, I'm going to try and get it back down to its purity. But in order to receive that multiplication, I needed that carbon body to be there to make that happen. It's so interesting to <laughs> you and I have an overarching similarity in how we accept these things, but it's interesting to me to listen how, how it shapes uh, the way you're living and the things you do. It's very interesting because it's actual application, proving the point that any human being anywhere could pick this up and it is malleable to who they are, what they are, where they are, their level of understanding, all of it. It's pre-made to fit darn near any situation. The chariot or le chariot ruled by cancer. The Hebrew letter is C-H-E-T-H. So this has typically got a victorious warrior riding a chariot drawn by either black and white horses or black and white sphinxes. Four columns hold up a starry canopy. 
He carries a scepter of Thor energy, and his shoulders bear lunar crests. In sum, the chariot is cubic in stone, and the man is rising from it. In sum, there is a crab. So many differences. What I wouldn't give to get to that 1400s version of the decks with the glorious, beautiful, perfected art. Uh, Maybe someday we'll be able to get back to those things. But I, too, uh, view this as the idea, one of the major ideas, as victorious. Um, And the idea of the Sphinx is included in a lot of places. I think the Wheel of Fortune in some of the earlier decks uh, includes the idea of a Sphinx. And can can people remember back to Dylan just being on how that includes the idea of the cardinal stars and all these other things? There's so much to know here you could spend a lifetime, suffice it to say. Ben? So what we're seeing here is, is we're moving down. So this is the moving down through the cerebrospinal fluid. We've We've now went through the brain... We've made the split. We're going to go ahead and move down. We've got some motive power coming here. We've got the chariot. And this, the man, there's some where the man is rising from the stone of the cubic chariot, where you can see him now rising further from it. He's gaining more motive power. Represented by cancer or the crab, this also biologically represents the breast and the stomach. So we're moving our way down. Where the brain power is your thought, your sacrum is considered your animal or your motive power. So now that we've had this engineered thought, we need to give it some power. We need to make it a reality. And that's what we're moving on down to do. La justice or justice or adjustment. This is ruled by Libra. The Hebrew word is L-A-M-E-D. There's a seated figure on a throne. The back of the throne forms two columns. In her right hand is a sword, the left scales. Sometimes this is reversed, and in some, her hair is braided into a noose. All right, we're going to need to to lay down the the pre-note to this, but this is case in point. Uh, If you're a master and there is a way to use this system, then the attachment to the sky clock is what it is. Uh, What's happened here is people who made some other decks, not the Marseille deck, or I guess what preceded it, is they decided to switch a couple cards. My understanding of why they switched them is because they wanted the strength to correspond with where they considered Leo the Lion should be, and the Justice card to correspond with where they considered the Libra constellation to be. Um, To me, this proves that either you're intentionally inverting things to lead people astray, or you don't understand. Um, here's the note that Ben wrote before we got to this critical juncture. This is going to be a side note. This is where the classic deviation from the Marseille deck to the more often used weight deck of today happened. The weight deck follows the tradition of Elias Levi, Satanist, and switches the number 11, Crowley's evilest of numbers, and the number 8. We have a little discussion of why that is. So we're going we're gonna to talk about these things. Um, so let's, let's jump in, Ben. So... One of the other names for number eight, when you look at it in its original, was adjustment, which is a different concept than justice. You know, justice, you put an entire harshness onto this, right? Where adjustment is, is okay, now that I'm here, I just need to kind of figure out and make little adjustments. So anytime somebody's worked on a construction site or done anything like that, when the engineer sends you the plans, 
which was the brain, the idea. Well, now we've moved down the spinal cord. Well, now we're down here in that reality area and that where it actually needs to happen in the real world. We've gained some parts, but we're going to need to make some adjustments because now that we're here, it's not exactly like that engineer thought it worked. Conditions aren't exactly the way we thought they were. We're going to need to make some adjustments, which is an entirely different thing. I, I, I like that, the original setup better, where justice, again, you're, you're choosing something as good or bad. Um, you're, there's a real harshness to it. Not that there's not harshness as to part of these cards, but just the understanding of what needs to happen at this point in time. When he switched that with strength, and then also one of the ones that they like to put on there also is lust, which is a, which is a very interesting thing that they're going to put in there. And this is going, then this is going before the, you go into the hermit, and it completely just changes the way things are. You aren't, when, you, when you go into the hermit phase, Part of that is understanding now you've withdrawn from the world. So here you're, you understand you're making an adjustment because, hey, man, I'm here. I'm experiencing it. It's not quite what I read about, but this is what I got. So I'm going to then after that, you're going to go into your little hermitude and sit and think about this. Well, when you turn around and you change that from, to strength, well, now you're, now you're going to add your own power to this situation. You aren't, you aren't making an adjustment. You aren't learning to live in the situation, you're going to turn around and you're going to force this situation. You, you, you see the difference with that? Yeah. Um, here's as, as I'm getting ready to wrap up hour one, here's the thing that occurred to me long ago when I was beginning to realize what the changes to the deck, the inversion to the original ideas, what I consider to be inversion. In other words, making up down and down up and white, black and black, white, just inversion. That's the way I accept it is look where this happened. Remember when I challenged the Zodiac and I came to the point where I was completely befuddled, I didn't know what to do, and then I realized uh, the further I dug that from basically Virgo down to the Scorpion was added into a 10-sectioned Zodiac before our time, sex having to be one of the big deals that we had to deal with. Isn't it interesting that the rider weight came in and inverted right in that area of the Zodiac, which makes me question again, are they leading people astray here? How could it be that the masters who made these decks didn't know where the heck a zodiacal sign should be represented? Is that possible? In my mind, it's not. But here it is. There's that little jammed-in Libra scale that we know was added in for our modern time to deal with. Uh, being manipulated here in the other decks that are not Marseille. But Jason, anything you want to add? we got to wrap up here and get ready for hour two. So in anyone's opinion here, is there something wrong with using any of the approaches to these decks? Do you think you'll get different results with somebody who actually knows and can tune into reading the cards? I, I guess I'll jump in there. Let's, let's correspond it to the Notre Dame Cathedral. Does anyone know anyone who can build a building like that now with all the meaning and encoding and natural just beauty of this creation encoded into that building? And I think the answer to that is no, we can't do that right now or not that we're aware of. Um, what actually has happened here is the decks are no different in my view. The people who, if we go all the way back in France, by the way, France is where most of the the highest alchemical information is still held, as far as I know, in the modern era. 
That may not have been true back in the days. That's why the most beautiful cathedrals are there in France. There were people there who knew. Now, what's happened here is the people who made those provided us what they made, and people came along later who understood a hell of a lot less, and they remade them. The question becomes, did they remake them for the same old things we see all the time, to short people, to manipulate people, to turn people into sheep, or did they do it because they didn't know better? Well, I'm saying they did it for no good reasons, because how in the hell could you get information like this that was derived from masters and then make the assertion the masters weren't quite right? I don't know where you fall down on all this, Ben. Yeah, well, some people tried, like you said, I think that some people like Crowley, Crowley, I think, tried to change things back to the way they actually work, but used it to bad ends. Whereas some people, I think, like the OTO and whatnot, they went with this inversion to just try and completely take away our power and make it so we're, we're just running uphill and thinking we're running downhill somehow and just totally take our power away. And it's, it's two different ideas, neither of which are good. <laughs> but you understand that also when, they, when they're doing this, it's, how, it's understanding that some of these do not align with, uh, they align with the planet and the, not with an actual constellation. So as this is happening, the constellation ones are the ones that the month is on that the month is going to move on, whereas the other ones are just going to be in there planetarily. Right. So what they've basically done is what has been done with the Zodiac. They're shuffling it so that someone who begins to master things has the wrong keyhole or the wrong key. Let's just put it this way. The original masters made this thing that represents or encodes ways that we can exist in perfection in creation. So if you change that, what are you doing? What are you up to? But anyhow, that does bring hour one of episode 316 to a close with Jason Lindgren, Benjamin Balderson. Uh, we're going to recoup. Join us on the other side at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777 radio.com, where members will get the full show. There will be another hour, maybe hour plus. Anyhow, I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
of knowing.